Oh, bless the Lord. I've got a few things to go over. Let's see. So we've taken up offerings for the Ukraine and uh, for the Russian church over the last couple weeks. And we wanted to give you another opportunity to give. You can give online on our app. Just choose missions, and we'll know that uh, it is for the Ukraine. Or you can uh, put it in an envelope and uh, just drop it off in these black boxes on your way out of service today or any moment right now, if you wanted to get up and drop it in there, you could. But if you wanted to further give, we have already collected uh, $5,000. I think we've got another $1,000 that came in today, that, and we've distributed $5,000. So we sent $2,000 to a church in Odessa called Praise Church. And uh, they are in, Odessa is located, I don't know if you know, down on the Black Sea. It's real close to Moldova and, so, and uh, also to Romania. So what they're doing is they are feeding people, and they're checking on people, and then they're also uh, daily driving anyone that wants to get out of the country, they're driving them across the border into Moldova. So that's what this church is doing, and they have daily prayer at 2 p.m. I've joined a couple times, it's completely in Russian, uh, but if you wanted to, I could uh, hook you up, and so that you can join this prayer meeting that's going on every day at 2 p.m. our time. Uh, it's just, it's a neat experience to sit there and listen to them pray. I mean, I understand them, but it would be neat to sit there and pray with them. Uh, so they're very busy that way. Uh, the war is just to the east of them, and there's bombing and stuff outside of Odessa all the time. So they're just kind of, they're in the midst of this craziness for over a month. Prices have doubled. And so we were able to send $2,000 to that church to help there. Uh, We sent $2,000 to the Weigolts in Romania who are working with refugees as they're coming across the border and helping to get them into places to live and food and medication and everything because their lives have just been total, total uh, upheavaled. uprooted to just it, it's a very difficult time it, it's like you know like after Katrina or something where your life is just totally changed and you're just like in a um, anyway so we sent 2000 to the Weigolts so the church in Ukraine sent a little video of thanks uh, the Weigolts sent along a little a note of thanks to us and then the last thousand I sent to uh, the church that we planted in Russia to help with uh, the Russian believers because they are really going through it as well. Uh, It's a very difficult time in Russia due to the sanctions. uh, Putin still has his $800 million uh, boat, uh, but the average Russian, uh, their food has tripled, gasoline has tripled, uh, they can't get money, their businesses are closing. So the average Russians are suffering a lot. I don't know how much uh, Vladimir Putin is suffering in the midst of this. So uh, we sent it to believers there, $1,000 to believers, to help them, to help stabilize in the church. $1,000 isn't a lot, but it does uh, show them that we see them and we care about them. So that's what's going on with that. Uh, I also found out that here in Grandview right now, there are 18 Ukrainians who have already made it across the border and are here as refugees. They arrived uh, like last week. And so I'm going to be meeting with them today and seeing what their needs are. Uh, there's another church, there's several churches that are working together with them, uh, but right now there are 18 people, four families living in two houses. So two families a house, and then the other two are living with a third family inside of a house. And so it's 
pretty cramped. They ha don't have a lot, no furniture. So today I'll know, and then I can let you guys know if there's some way that we can help to get them stabilized and moving forward. Uh, most do not speak English. Uh, they speak either Ukrainian or they understand Russian. So it's going to be a unique uh, experience. Um, they also know Brianna. So my contact, his sister is uh, Ludmilla. And Ludmilla, did they bring their kids to like music? Uh huh. They're here for the classical conversations. Okay. So we have a homeschool uh, co-op that uses our building on Fridays that uh, Brianna leads and uh, provides leadership to how, I don't know exactly how you put it, but that's what Brianna does. So Brianna's great. And so they're involved with that and they're related to all these 18 people who come over. So there's mutual connections to this. So I was glad that it was just 18 and not 36 two different sets, so. But we'll figure that out and get that going. <clears throat> so if you wanted to give more towards that, uh, the black boxes or online under missions would work and we'll make sure that that money, and I'll give you future reports on how that's all working out. So next up, <clears throat> worship leader. So we have had, had a wonderful season with Chelsea over the last year. She started April 1st of last year. Uh, over the last year, she made a year commitment to us and. Um, we hoped it would go longer, but the Lord had other plans, and they are in the process of moving to uh, Denver, Colorado, and they will be moving there, I think, on the 15th of April. So Chelsea will be with us in service two more Sundays, but actually today was her last day of leading. And so we have uh, been searching for a worship leader for about a month and a half now. And uh, the Lord has really highlighted uh, Marley Rosen, and Marley's here with us this morning. You want to you come up for a second? Yeah, I know, I'm putting you totally on the spot. Yeah, come here. I mean, yeah, come on up. I mean, you're going to be on the spot every Sunday, so you might as well use it, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, but Marley has accepted her offer uh, just a couple days ago and will be beginning April 1st. And so she'll be leading the next two weeks and transitioning with Chelsea and then um, going on for the next at least a year. And then we'll just see what the Lord does. Do you want to say anything, Marley? Yeah, sure. Hi. <laughs> uh, I'm really excited, you guys. I think that we're all going to get along really well. And it's the past week when I got to lead you guys, I felt uh, like a deep connection and feel like you guys are all going to be my friends. So I, I'm excited about getting to do life with you all and just jump and worship together. So yeah. Amen. Great. Great. Thank you. So we're excited for this next season, what the Lord has. Marley's parents uh, pastor church out in Western Kansas. And so she is a PK. God bless her. And knows what that's like to grow up in church and be around church all the time. She also plays a, a plethora of instruments. And uh, she has told me that she prefers to lead on the bass. But we'll see what she leads on. That's kind of cool, isn't that? There you go. Brianna's like, yes. So <clears throat> we're glad she's a part of our body. So before I get into uh, the word, I do have a few uh, jokes for you this morning. I know this is the highlight of your week. I saw this and I, I thought it was, uh, I enjoyed the humor of this one, okay? So it says, uh, two guys are sitting in a park playing chess. 
One says to the other, how about we make this more interesting? So they stopped playing chess. In a safety meeting at work, they asked me what steps I'd take in case of a fire. Apparently, really big and fast ones was the wrong answer. <laughs> Get it, steps, what steps you'd take really, okay. It's making sure. This is all for you, you drivers out there. I thought I was a very good person, but the way I react when people drive slowly in the left lane would suggest otherwise. <laughs> so don't drive in the left lane slowly around Andrea. <laughs> so I have a, a, a friend who uh, does a lot of jokes and stuff on Facebook. Uh, and so when I first read this, I thought it was real and you'll understand why. It says, first off, I am okay. Understandably a little shaken this morning, I was robbed at the gas station near our house. After my hands stopped trembling, I managed to call the police. The whole thing was caught on camera. The officers were quick to respond and calmed me down, explaining this is happening all over the city. My bank deposit is all gone, all of it, but I am alive and all, that's all that matters. The police asked me if I knew who did it, and I said yes. It was pump number two. <laughs> well, bless the Lord. Ah, <laughs> uh, dang. Whoo. Did you like that, Michelle? Oh, did Randy just add to it? Okay. <clears throat> so we're going to continue in our sermon series on running to the roar, running to the roar. So if you would uh, turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. We've been focusing on one verse here within 1 Peter. This entire uh, first part of this chapter is really good and has a ton of wisdom in it. And I've spoken on different aspects over the last several weeks. But we're going to focus on verse 8. And so let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you, Lord, for your presence here. We thank you for being able to gather together as family and friends, Lord, followers of Jesus, Father, we ask you to speak individually to our heart this morning and inspire us, Lord. Reveal more of Jesus to us, Holy Spirit. Show us who you are. Give us revelation, Lord. Rainbow words and not just logos words, Father. Things that really pierce our heart and change us, Father. We want our walk affected today, Lord. I pray, Lord, as I share these different things that you've laid on my heart, that you would just give us practical wisdom individually, how to apply them into our lives, and how to grow, Father. We thank you, Lord, that though the uh, enemy roars loudly, Lord Jesus, you roar louder, Father. We hear your voice, and we want to follow you. Thank you, Lion of Judah, for being on our side. Thank you for your blood that washes us. Thank you for all that you do and have done. We pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. 
So 1 Peter 5.8 is the verse that I want to focus on. And it says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. I'm sorry, that was verse 5. It's a good verse, though. <laughs> it's my glasses. <clears throat> verse 8 is here. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he may devour. We've been talking the last couple weeks about the, the roar of the enemy and the roar of Jesus and how to uh, run with the roar of Jesus and against or towards the roar of the enemy. And to just quickly define those, the roar of Jesus is what he speaks over us, the passion that he puts in our heart, the truth of the word of God that he is declaring. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So he declares these things and we grab a hold of them. We get revelations of them. We begin to walk them out and experience them in our lives. And then we begin to declare them towards the enemy and over the nations of what Jesus is saying. It's a very forward-going, offensive uh, action by the kingdom of the roar of Jesus. And we go against the roar of Satan who is very offensively trying to get us to stop, become dis disillusioned, to become discouraged, to become dismayed, to give up and stop moving forward. Satan overcomes when we give up and we stop moving forward. Satan overcomes when we become discouraged and we say God is not big enough in this situation. My problems are bigger than Jesus. My problems are greater than God's ability to overcome. That's the roar of the enemy toward us. And so, and you know that roar is loud and it's constant. It's constantly coming toward us. Don't trust the Lord. Don't believe the Lord. Give up. It ain't going to happen. It's, not, it's, it's impossible. It's too great. The odds are against you. All of this just comes at us constantly. And so Jesus is roaring in the opposite direction. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. I am the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is speaking with us constantly, creative power and the movement of God forward to expand the kingdom and to destroy or unwrap the works of the evil one. This is the roar of Jesus against the roar of Satan. And so we have to get it into our heart, a desire to run with the roar of Jesus against the roar of Satan. So we call this series, Run to the Roar. So Peter says we need to be wise, understanding that Satan runs around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, seeking who he can dissuade. So I was asked, how do you tell the difference between the roars? How do you tell the difference between the roar of Jesus and the roar of the enemy against us? Well, I think uh, the biggest thing you need to keep in mind, and I want to go over those today, but to encapsulate is you need to be able to learn to hear through the noise. There's a difference between sound and noise. There's a difference between the voice of Jesus and the noise of Satan. So I had a, before, I want to do a, a fun little thing here, but uh, a few years ago in June of 2018, I had a very, um, 
disturbing dream. And it began a six-month season of my life that ended exactly to the day six months later where I had the second dream that answered the first dream. So it was a pretty unique season that took six months for me to fully understand what was going on. And the dream was in June of uh, 2018, I walked into this church building that had been basically destroyed. The church was gone and the, the, the room was all beat up. It looked like it had become a place where uh, people would gather and uh, have uh, parties and uh, sit around a fire and there was trash all over, like they had an abandoned building that they were using uh, on, uh, all the time just for weekends. You've been in buildings like that before, at least I have, uh, investigated, fun, walkthrough, you know, graffiti on the wall type stuff. Destroyed. So the purpose of the building was destroyed. And I, we walked into the sanctuary and I was with like six really big guys and I understood later that they were angels at the time, I didn't. In the dream, it didn't click. It was only a little bit later in the dream that I understood. But there are these humongous angels, and we were walking, and we walked right up into the center of where the sanctuary was, like this section. And there was a, a, a fire pit where a fire, pit, or a fire used to be, and there were stones like in a circle. And the angel said to me, this is where Satan is. And he's going to be coming soon. And he gave me wisdom on how I should react when Satan came. Now, this is a weird dream, okay? I don't have dreams like this all the time. And I'm not trying to, to, to give you an impression like I'm super spiritual. This was a really weird dream that started a season of, of sifting in my life. And I went through six months of great sifting from Satan that ended with uh, the dream at the very end where the angels and I were back in and we were cleaning everything up and we were resetting the church up and it was becoming a church. So the end dream was the victory of Jesus over it. But this point, the second dream back in December. So this, this dream in June, I'm standing there, and then Satan appears to me. And Satan was this, um, this guy dressed in something like a mechanic wears, one of those one-piece zip-up suits. And he was head-to-toe covered in tattoos. Everything that I could see was solid tattoos. And uh, he talked, not, that's not against tattoos. Don't get me wrong. I'm just telling you what I saw, Okay. Everybody's like, oh, he, well, uh, dear God, I must have Satan because I got it. No, that's not what I'm saying. Not going there. I'm just telling you what he was. And I know different people see Satan different ways. So anyway, uh, he, he was there and uh, he just looked at me. And I said what the angel told me to say, uh, the guidelines. And I said, you know, you have been a uh, valiant foe to my Lord, but he will defeat you. Or he has defeated you, I think. I, I, I didn't review this morning exactly what I said, but it was basically, uh, you're a pretty good enemy, but Jesus has defeated you anyway, basically, you know. And uh, he left. And so then we uh, decided we were going to investigate, and we looked all around Satan's lair to figure out how he works. And so we snuck out, I and this one angel snuck out of that room into the garage uh, of, the, of the church, and in the garage were just shelves now, I grew up in an auto parts store, and we just had shelves with all the parts in it. So it reminded me a lot of that, just a dusty area with just tons of shelves and just full of stuff. And the angel said to me, this is where Satan keeps all of his tools, the things he uses to get against people. So it's just a room full of shelves and all these little tools. And as I walked into the room, there was this black box, and on it, it said five-fold giftings. And right next to it was this machine 
It was a large square machine. It was four uh, generators, electrical generators, you know, loud, like, you know, something that you would start and you would put outside because it's so loud. And there were four of them attached together with metal rods that attached them all into one piece. And I, there was a button, and I said, I'm going to turn this on. So I turned it on, and it just made this loud noise. And the angel spoke to me and said, this is the machine that Satan uses to steal giftings. Giftings. And they are stored in this box. He produces noise. And I looked at the label on the, on the uh, machine, and it was called the disquieter. It had like a manufacturer's label on it, the disquieter. And we turned it off, and the angel goes, so that's exactly how that works. Just makes noise, you know. And then there were other things that happened in the dream. Uh, and then I went through six months of disquieting uh, severely. And then I had the dream that uh, we were back in the church and we were resetting it up and cleaning it out, and Satan's power had been destroyed. And I understood that I'd come out of that season and everything changed, okay? My point is that machine was very important, very visible. And it is the disquieter. And the difference between the voice of Jesus, the roar of Jesus, and the roar of Satan is the difference between sound and noise. And I want to go through some aspects of that. But before I do, I want to play a little game. So I need a, uh, a volunteer. I need one volunteer. Are you good at reading lips? Okay. We'll know here in a second. So I need you to sit right there. Okay. Now if you uh, throw that verse. So I'm going to have you put these on. And then there's a button right there that you push. Can you throw that verse up there? Uh, can you actually do the text? Is it possible? Yeah. The button is right. Oh. Oh, yeah. Can you hear me? Uh, now, like, do I have to keep no, you just won. So, can you hear me now? So can you read my lips? I know. You don't know? Okay. Is it not? Yeah, the noise is supposed to keep going. <laughs> it worked yesterday. <laughs> Isn't it? You know, you try stuff out and it feels great, and then you go to use it, and the battery's dying. Thank you. Yeah, I'll just take it back. I so appreciate it. You're so sweet. We tried it last night and it worked great. But basically it, it makes this loud and it's just a terrible noise. It did happen. Thank you. Thank you. And the whole point of the game is you say things and they try to read your lips and it's so hilarious to try to see as they guess what you're trying to say. And the point of that is that often as we are serving the Lord, if we are surrounded by noise and we do not learn how to detach ourselves from the noise, it becomes very difficult to focus in on the words and the voice of Jesus. It is a skill to pull yourself away and focus in on the voice of Jesus. 
He is a still, small voice. So we played this game out at our staff retreat where we blindfolded, made a path, blindfolded the individual, and they had to walk the path and avoid the obstacles. And then we uh, um, had one person, Jesus, standing in front of them who was telling them and directing them the way to go so that they wouldn't get out by either stepping on the line or stepping on one of the obstacles. So, and then ever, the rest of us were around telling them all kinds of crazy things, just making noise of directions. And it was extremely difficult to focus in on that person's voice and follow and listen because the other voices were just so loud around you. So we need to hear through the noise. So I ask you, what are you listening to the most? What is the source that you listen to the most? That's going to be the source your ears are most trained to hear. What do you focus in on the most to pour into your heart, to put into your brain? You know, our brain is just uh, the information that we gather, and from that we make decisions and we make thoughts. And so if we're constantly putting in noise, we will, from that noise, speak out of noise. Bless you, Lord. So I watched this really cool video where he was talking about the difference between sound and noise. And I'll get rid of some of that noise right there. The difference between sound and noise, because they're different, and there are five things here. The first one the scientist said was, sound is pleasant, and noise is unpleasant. So your first key in understanding what is the difference between the voice of Jesus and the voice of Satan, the voice of Jesus is going to be a pleasant voice, and the voice of Satan is going to be something that hurts your heart the closer you get to Jesus. So maybe right now it doesn't bother you at all to hear that noise. But as you draw closer to Jesus, it will begin to hurt your heart. And you'll be like, I just can't watch that show anymore. I just can't read that book anymore. That music bothers me. That conversation bothers me. My heart just hurts afterwards. I can't continue to do this or to say this because it hurts my heart the noise becomes obvious that it's noise and not the pleasantness of Jesus. Because Jesus liberates us and the noise puts us in bondage. Psalms 23 is pleasant. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is all pleasant stuff. This isn't like, oh, I get so anxious when I read Psalms 23. You know, I do get anxious if I watch uh, the news too much. 
I get anxious reading certain type of, or watching certain types of TV shows. You know, some of those comedies that are uh, like stressful situations where it's more and more bad things just happen constantly. I'm like, I don't need that. If it feels like life, if it feels like a more abundant life, head in that direction. If it draws you closer to Jesus, it's his voice. So be sure you can distinguish or begin to distinguish the difference between pleasant sound and unpleasant noise. The second thing, difference between sound and noise, is sound is in a constant pitch. And noise is variable in its pitch. Now, to me, pitch is about um, love. I think love is the key there. Pitch has that sound. When Jesus speaks, it's always in the tone of love. And Satan, when he talks, it's a variable. Sometimes it'll sort of come across as love, and other times it comes across not as love at all. And it hit me that Jesus never uses or abuses. Jesus never uses you in an abusive way. He will call you into holiness. He'll call you into deeper relationship. But it's always a call into greater freedom as you get to know him, not into more religious bondage. Oftentimes, we have these uh, religious connotations that we throw on ourselves, tradition-wise, that are abusive to our relationship with Jesus. If you're going to be a good follower of Jesus, you cannot and fill that in. Some of those are godly. Some of them are not. Some of them are absolutely abusive. Well, I just can't have that in my life if I'm going to serve Jesus. Well, that depends. Some things are godly and spelled out. Some things are just abusive and you've just brought them upon yourself and you blame Jesus for the bad things. But really it comes out of an abusive attitude in your own heart because you don't know how to receive the pure love of the Father. Jesus doesn't change. Noise, Satan, changes. Satan will hit you one way, and if that doesn't work, he comes from the other side and hits you from a different side. He's going to hit you from all different directions to try to see what will push your buttons. Jesus always presents it in love. He will call you into a life of holiness, a life of relationship with him, because he loves you. To give you an example of this, uh, can you come up? Yep. Yep. No. Uh, Chloe. Uh, Want to call you Chloe? Want to call you your daughter's name, Hella? You have it memorized. You know it. Okay. What? Who else here speaks a, uh, a second language? You can come on up here. Mm-hmm. 
fluently a second language. Anybody else? You need what? You need know what? You know Espanol? Do you know John 3.16 in Spanish? She doesn't? Okay. <laughs> Anyone else speak a second language? Well, I know Prince does. Prince, do you know John 3.16 in a language other than English? It's not? Okay. It's no problem. Yeah, if you can read it in a second language. You can read one in a different language? What language? German. German. I like German. German's good. Okay, we got four languages then. Okay, so I want you to listen to each of these languages have a pitch or a tone to them. Okay, this is Korean. Okay. So you can kind of hear a steady tone in that, in the Korean. Are you ready for German? Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll do Russian. You can hear a totally different type of tone across that. It's a steady tone. Den Gott hat die Menschen so sehr geliebt, dass er seinen einzigen Sohn für sie hergab. Jeder, der an ihm glaubt, wird nicht zugrunde gehen, sondern das ewige Leben haben. And then in English, thank you. And then in English, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. So each of those languages have a certain pitch or tone to them. In uh, kind of stereotypical French is German is Russian is They're stereotypical tones, but they have a certain tone across the entire language. Well, the tone of Jesus' voice is love. And you need a revelation on that that liberates you from expectation and throwing in into the voice of Jesus religion, abuse, or anything else from the roar of Satan. Because oftentimes, from our cultural experiences, but culture, I don't mean just ethnicity, I mean our family culture, our regional culture, um, our neighborhood culture, our school culture, all the culture. Culture is a set of beliefs and values. So out of our culture, we have religious expectations that we throw on Jesus. And so he speaks to us, and we hear and we filter it through our cultural expectations, and then we reiterate, well, this is what Jesus said, and it was probably about 5% of what Jesus said and about 90% of your own filter that you threw on there. As you follow Jesus further, that gets less and less. So the point is, running with Jesus is always giving Jesus the option to speak his love over us and to liberate us out of our own cultural interpretation of his pitch. Now, how do you do that? You do that by spending time with and getting around people of other cultures. 
If you always are around people who think like you, act like you, look like you, and are like you, believe like you, it will keep you bound up to walk in that constantly. But like what we have on our leadership team, we come from very varying cultures, very uh, religious cultures. We're different age groups. We're different generations. We have some similarities, but we also have differences that cause us and cause conflict. And we talk through the conflict, and conflict gets down to really what is Jesus and what is just my religious culture that I have been raised with and brought up with. So if you constantly want to avoid conflict, you are probably in the noise camp and not in the hearing the sound of Jesus' roar. Because you have settled in with, this is what Jesus is, this is the box, and Jesus is going to stay in this box because this is my box. Now, I'm not talking contrary to the word. Don't, under, don't misunderstand me. Don't misquote me on this. But there are things that we have to, our beliefs about God, our beliefs about others, our beliefs about those around us that are affected because of our culture what's ha- and our experience, what's happened to us, what we've experienced, what life has been like. The pitch of Jesus is always the same. It is love. Love your neighbor as you love yourself and love God with all your heart. And so he is constantly speaking and calling to us the roar of Jesus to face the noise of Satan with the truth of his gospel that liberates us and liberates others. But we're going to have to face what we believe at times about God and about our neighbors and about ourselves. If you have conflict that's probably a good sign that somewhere there is a misunderstanding of Jesus. I'm sorry if I'm making you uncomfortable. Not really. (laughs) Satan is abusive, Jesus is not. You know, when I was younger, I, I had a lot of abusive beliefs about myself and about God. And I'll, I'll give you one. So I grew up in a church culture that basically said you needed to give all to Jesus or you weren't really serving him. If you didn't passionately give him 100%, now you're going to look at me and you're going to be like, wow, isn't that the truth? Yes, it is, but it's all in the way you interpret it. So in my understanding, the greatest way to walk that out was to be martyred. Because then you are giving Jesus 100%. That was the greatest way to die for your faith. And so I wanted to be martyred because I viewed that as the best way to show Jesus that I loved him. Did you hear the me in there? In my immaturity, I wanted to show him that I loved him because really, honestly, I did not believe that he loved me because there were things about myself that I did not like. I saw my sin, and I knew he couldn't love my sin, so he didn't love me. So I had to prove to him that I was worthy of his love by being willing to be martyred so that I could receive his love. 
Do you see how I had taken something really pure and added in a lot of cultural noise? The roar of Satan. So Satan, of course, was speaking to me all the time about how bad I was and how, yes, Jesus really didn't love me and how, yes, I needed to really work really hard for the gospel to prove to Jesus that I was worthy of his love. And so Satan kept me busy and spinning, spinning, doing all kinds of stuff to try to prove to Jesus that I was worthy of his love. And what was Jesus' response? I've never not loved you. I love you, Matt. I forgive you. You've asked for my forgiveness. My blood's enough. The things that I preach today came out of that experience of learning Jesus loves me. And I can't work to win his love. So one day I get this revelation that it isn't about being physically martyred. It's about living the life of a martyr. Because Acts 1.5 says, you'll receive power and you will be my witnesses, which is the word martyr. You will be my martyrs in Jerusalem, Judea, and the other most ends of the world. And then in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, brothers, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices. And it hit me. If I live to be 125 and I serve Jesus that entire time and walk out my faith, it's a far better thing than to die young as a martyr. A long martyred life. And if I receive his love, then I can walk in the freedom of what he has and share that love with others. And I'm not just doing religious deeds to win his love. I just receive his love. So you can see how Jesus' pitch to me, his message, his roar of love was always the same. But I threw in a bunch of religious stuff from where my heart was. And it tainted his message on how I presented it. The difference between the roar of Jesus and the roar of Satan. Jesus lovingly will continue to walk with you to make it very clear to you that the pitch of his love is constant. So number three, there's only five of these, so... I thought this was interesting. It said that the uh, uh, sound has a regular periodic, periodic motion and noise has not uh, a non-regular or it doesn't have a regular. So the, the motion of the, of the uh, sound waves has a set pattern. So it'll, like say it goes big, small, medium, line. Big, small, medium, line. Big, it'll always be in the same pattern. Like your heartbeat has a pattern. And noise does not have a pattern. And I thought about that, and it, it hit me to look at the pattern of God's voice in your life. And you can discover how Satan has come against that, because he's going to come against it in all different ways to try to get you not to hear or not to see the pattern of God's voice. But God has a pattern, the way he speaks to you and the way he ministers to you, so to bring you liberty and then for you to then preach that and vocalize that to bring liberty to those around you. 
What kind of lies, what kind of fear, what kind of insecurity, what kind of pain, what kind of anger does God speak to to get you to come out of in your life on a regular basis? Some people, it might be relational, it might be financial, it might be uh, hopes and dreams, it, it might be a ton of different things. So something that happened to me re- recently was, you know, my, my dad passed away uh, about a month ago, and I was at home, and uh, when you have six brothers and sisters, and you're at home, and you're in the stress of a parent dying, uh, kind of everything old kind of comes to the surface. Everything begins to filter up old attitudes, and I was number six, so when you're the, one of the youngest, you know, it's the roles. You run into the roles that you always played in your family. You know, and even though I am 50 years old, I still felt like the youngest brother and the almost youngest child. You know, there's just that natural stuff. A funny thing was that we took a family picture and I realized I'm the tallest one in my family. (laughs) I'm 50 years old and I just noticed that I'm the tallest one in my family. Crazy, right? Because I had always seen myself as the youngest brother. It was like a light bulb went off. But there was, this situa- there was normal situations and, and some, you know, as we had dealt with mom's estate and dealt with dad, beginning to deal with dad's estate, just some disagreements on how best to handle and stuff like that. And old things were coming up. And I, I took my, one of my sisters out to lunch. It was actually both my sisters, but the one sitting next to me. And, and I was just kind of going, just uh, talking with her about some of the pain in my heart. And she says uh, to me, uh, I, I like my sister because she has this ability to get right. Uh, we're pretty frank, blunt, just right, you know, and we tried to do it in a loving way. But uh, she was like, you know, I've come to realize that my siblings have things that I need. And if I get offensive and cut them off, I cut off God's opportunity to use them to help me be who God wants me to be. And it was like a light bulb went off. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to hold on to this stuff that happened 40 years ago. You know, I'm letting go. And it was like another liberation happened just to let go and move on. And then it like went on and applied. You know, that's the way I walk it out in so many areas of my life. I do that. I just had never applied it to my siblings. But it's so true that you have people in your lives that are bringing you something that you need from the Lord. And if you cut them off because of offense, whatever Satan will use to cut them out of your life, you are hindering the opportunity to hear the roar of Jesus through them, which will liberate you so that you can walk in the fullness against the roar of Satan. There's that set pattern of of sound that Jesus uses. John 10.10 says that I have come to give you life and life more abundant. That's what he's constantly speaking over us. Jeremiah 29.11, you know, my plans are to prosper you and to give you hope. 2 Corinthians 9.8, for God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times you have all that you need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
You know, there's lots and lots of verses that have that, that pattern that tell us God is looking to liberate you and get you to know him more and more and more, coming into his presence, understanding who, it is, who he is, being conformed to the image of Jesus to liberate you into who he's created you to be so that you can help others be liberated. So what is that pattern that Satan uses against you constantly, that noise to try to get you off of what Jesus is doing? I have a friend who uh, wrote a book recently. He's written uh, like five books, and he just got them all printed, all on healing. And I wanted to go over his uh, life with you so you see how the enemy has attacked him. If I have it open, there we go. Come on, open in the name of Jesus. There we go. So he took an inventory of his life to try to get an idea of the pattern. He said uh, he was, his mom had attempted to abort him, but he survived the abortion. He was run over while riding a lawnmower when he was eight years old. At 18, uh, he fell severely sick to hepatitis on a three-month mission trip to the Philippines. He lost 16 pounds in five days. He had a car crash at the age of 34. He was 70 miles an hour into a stopped car on a five-lane highway with no seatbelt. He had to learn to walk and to run again through rehab. At 36, he went partially blind in one eye with no warning. After multiple surgeries, there was no success. At 42, he lost that right eye to cancer. He was diagnosed with five cancers, stage four, four times, and diagnosed with cancer five times. At the age of 48, stage four immune therapy treatment left damage to his pancreas, causing a medically induced type one diabetes diagnosis that he's still fighting today. He needs four needles of insulin every single day. So you could see Satan attacks his health like crazy. And he is getting revelations of Jesus as the healer. And he has written book after book after book about healing. Many of those times he was healed of cancer. In fact, uh, right after my mom died, he had uh, just gotten his uh, fifth diagnosis of cancer. And so it was like my mom died of cancer suddenly. And so like the next month I'm on a Zoom call with him. He's a good friend. And he's like, guys, they're not giving me really any hope. It's pancreatic cancer and they don't, there's, a lot, there's a tumor and they, uh, they don't know what to do. I mean, and we're, it, just, it was just hard. It was one of those hard Zoom calls talking to him. And so he just was like, you know what? The Lord has told me I'm going to live. I've gotten several prophetic words that I'm living to 80-something, and I'm, I'm only 50-something, and so I am, I am going to trust. I'm going to stand. The doctor may say this, but I'm standing on what Jesus... Do you see what he's doing? He's roaring what Jesus is roaring against the roar of Satan. Next month on the Zoom call, he's like, you won't believe this. Went to the doctors. They can't find cancer anywhere. She's gone. And the doctor's like, I don't know what happened. Whatever it was, we need to keep doing it. What is the roar of Satan? Because the uh, pitch, the, the, the motion, the pattern of Jesus' voice over us is always the same. And if we can get a hold of that and begin to agree with him, we can begin to repeat that. The fourth thing, sound is meaningful communication. Noise does not have meaning. Sound has meaningful communication. 
So I was thinking about that, and um, I just realized uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 talks about how the Holy Spirit uh, gives us uh, power, love, and a sound mind. So it's very meaningful what the Holy Spirit speaks to us on a regular basis. He's either speaking to us and liberating us in the power of Jesus, in the love of Jesus, or in the sound-mindedness of Jesus. He's bringing this, speaking this over us always. Satan always speaks religion, loss of power, loss of love, or loss of mind. You can't handle this. You ain't got the power you ain't got the love, you ain't got the mental capability to handle this. That's what noise speaks to us. Jesus is the opposite. He's always bringing meaningful, life-giving communication. That's why it says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in all things with prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God which guards your heart in Christ Jesus... We'll bring you through. Last, which I think was important, it was kind of cool. Uh, noise or sound is measured in hertz. Okay? Sound is measured in hertz. And hertz are the number of cycles per second. Noise is measured in decibels, which is the amount of intensity. See, hurts is about the being which leads to the doing. It's about who you are. The roar of Jesus talks to you about who you are and who you can become. And out of that, you just naturally act. You naturally do out of who you are. Noise talks about, about what you're doing. It's always putting pressure on you to do and out of the doing, somehow figure out how to be. Religion will always tell you to do so that you become. And it can never get you there. If you do these things, you can know Jesus. No. You know Jesus, and out of knowing Jesus, you act like him. Because you know him. It isn't something that you have to do. It just comes out of you. You can't help it. When you've experienced the love of Jesus, you love. You can't help loving. So we see that sound is different than noise. Satan always speaks in noise. Jesus speaks in sound. So what do we do with this practically? There is a, um, a method of spiritual um, discipline. It's called silence. It's very practical. It's called silence. You know, when I was a young kid, a young, uh, so imagine me as a, a four-year-old in a restaurant with all my siblings my youngest wasn't born yet. My, my youngest sister wasn't born yet because I was five when she was born. So I'm four years old. We're at a big boys restaurant. You remember big boys? Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're at a big boys, big booth, all six of us, six, seven, eight of us with mom and dad. And I can't eat all my hamburger. And so I 
say to dad, dad, I can't eat on my hamburger. So dad says, well, see if anybody else wants it. So I stand up on the booth and yell across the entire restaurant, anybody want my hamburger? I was not a quiet child. I was very loud. Through time, I have learned the gift of silence. And now you could go and ride with me in a car and I'll probably say nothing. I mean, I can ride, uh, my brother-in-law, I went with him eight hours in the car and I said nothing the entire eight hours. I and my sister, our daughter, Olivia, can drive all the way to Alabama and only say like three words to each other. And we are very content. It's beautiful. So I'm more of a quiet person now. I've learned silence. And I've learned to pull away from noise. So I'm a lot more restrictive on what I allow to be noise in my life. I've just learned over time. But a practical thing that you can do is to set aside an hour, two, three, an afternoon, and turn everything off to where there's no noise, no sound, and just sit there with a pad and talk to Jesus and let him talk to you. And he'll probably tell you, shut up and listen. Because sometimes we can get like that and we'll, and we'll just talk, 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 because we're still, we're making our own noise. And see if you can do that. See if you can do that for an afternoon. Try it for a day. And if you're really crazy, go on a three-day noise fast where you separate yourself and just sit in silence for three days. That could lead you to go bonkers if you're so used to the noise. Because all you have left is you and Jesus. And it's a good thing to do on a regular basis to get it into your life, like you get in your car and you just don't turn anything on. You just sit in silence while you drive and you talk to Jesus. Because you have to get to where you are hearing the roar instead of the noise. I want victory in my life, Pastor. I want victory in my life. I, I want breakthrough. I want... Well, how much are you listening to the noise and how much are you listening to Jesus? What's Jesus saying? I don't know. I can't hear him. Well, what are you listening to right now? Well, I just really like those 16 shows on Netflix and I've got to see what happens in all 16 of them. You know, <laughs> what is the average time that we spend on our phone every day? I turn my notifications off and it has been like, thank you, Jesus. It's been like a deliverance. I can't tell when someone, but the only thing I have on is texting. Anybody else who emails and stuff, I can't tell. I once a day or twice a day look and go, okay, yeah, yeah, somebody emailed me. Getting to where you can hear Jesus better is the key because Jesus will bring liberty and breakthrough in your life. It's worth getting away with him. So if you're going to run to the roar, you got to hear the roar of Jesus, and let's run, guys. Let's run against the roar of Satan in our communities, in our families, in our individual lives. We want to shift and change culture that we're grown up in, that we're grown up in, that we have grown, grown up in, the cultures. If we want to really change, we've got to change in here by getting to know Jesus, because Jesus brings the real change. Jesus liberates culture. Jesus does. Because remember, cultures, again, belief systems and opinions. 
belief systems, what you like. And so if you really want Jesus, you've got to change by being with him. Let me pray over you this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that uh, just all you're doing in, my, in our lives, Lord, each of us individually, Father, that you've brought us here and given us ears to hear, Father. I pray, Lord, for each one, Lord, that you would enable them to hear your voice, your roar more, Lord, that all the noise of Satan would become just that, something that they can turn off and, and, and separate from so that they hear you, Lord. They can focus in on your voice, Lord. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our church, what you're doing in our extended family, our guests and friends that are visiting here, all that you're doing, Lord Jesus, how you are building your church and your kingdom, Father, in practical ways in our lives, Lord. Real evident, not dead religion, but real live you. Thank you, Father, for it. Give us ears to hear you, Lord, to focus in on your roar. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so I'm gonna close there. If you did sign up for the pizza lunch, we'll be going downstairs soon, and we'll meet you down there for lunch. Otherwise, stick around a few minutes and say hello to everybody, and uh, amen. <laughs>